Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 13 years, 400 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. The Sports Business Radio Podcast, why should you listen? We're going to help you learn directly from top sports and business executives, athletes turned business people, content creators, and those working in and around the sports world. Whether you work in the sports or business world, you're a student trying to work in sports, or you just want to add overall business skills to your tool belt. We're going to bring you knowledge that you can apply to your life immediately after listening to our podcast each week. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. I'm joined in studio this week by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. It's, uh, it's a fun time to be uh, talking sports and business because, you know, NBA playoffs is always fun. Um, you got golf warming up. You and I love to talk golf. So uh, I'm excited. This time of year is a good time. So if you're a new listener or if you're an old listener, we're playing with some things with our format. Uh, you might have noticed some changes last week. We're going to get into our interviews a lot faster on weeks where we do interviews. But in off weeks where we may not do an interview, we're going to do a show like this where we're going to engage with the audience and we're going to bring you some headlines and some topics of the week, a little bit more of us. And, you know, next week we'll have a guest back on. So uh, one of the things that we've done, so we started podcasting in 2007, but we were a radio show, Griggs, Sports Business Radio, nationally right. syndicated, and we threw our show up on iTunes and said, okay, but now we're doing our show as a podcast and not a radio show. I will also tell our audience we have some exciting rebranding that's going to be taking place. We're going to unveil the rebrand of Sports Business Radio in the next few weeks, Check that out on our social media platforms, uh, at SB Radio on Twitter, as we mentioned, Sports Business Radio on Instagram, and we're on Facebook, at Sports Business Radio. So exciting stuff ahead, Griggs. You know, we've got to reinvent ourselves and, and morph every once in a while to be uh, as current as possible. Yeah, and, you know, I think uh, podcast is is a hot thing right now, and it's growing. And, I, I mean, I follow trends in radio because I'm, I'm in radio that's my day job. So, uh, podcasting is, is huge. It's fun. It's engaging, which is something we've done way before we were really, you know, a podcast podcast. Um, and I think it's fun to, you know, ask the listeners and get some feedback that way and, you know, engage with listener questions and answer that. And then, uh, obviously our interviews, like, carry the show because we get, you know, awesome interviews and big names and, and really talk business. So it's, it's exciting time and it's fun and the rebranding is going to be cool. If you have a question you want to engage with us, best way to do it, either hit us up on Twitter at SB Radio, or you can email Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at sportsbusinessradio.com. We will go through our inbox, we'll go through our tweets, and if you're lucky, we'll mention yours on the air. All right, let's look at some headlines, Griggs. Lots going on in the world of sports business. Headline number one, Dale Earnhardt Jr. announces his retirement. He's 42 years old. He's been racing for 18 years, 600 races. He's one of the faces of NASCAR. Big announcement this week. And, uh, you know, NASCAR's going to miss him because he is the most popular driver. If you look at Tony Stewart, retired last year, now Dale Earnhardt Jr., two of the more popular drivers. I think it's a big loss for NASCAR, but I was impressed with the 
announcement and how it was made, you saw NASCAR, you saw Hendrick Motorsports, you saw Dale Jr., you saw his sponsor Nationwide. They all were in alignment with their announcement through the media and on social media. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how it should be done. And sadly, you don't see it all the time. <laughs> We've seen so uh, many yeah. bad ones. We'll be talking about how not to do things <laughs> a little bit later in this podcast. But yeah, the way they did that announcement was well orchestrated. And, you know, I don't expect anything less from someone who I would say is a, a racing icon in Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, you know, not nearly as decorated as his father, who tragically died at the Daytona 500, but you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. came back from a severe concuss- concussion last year. And, you know, I read one of his quotes. He said, you know, it was kind of a gift to be back on the track this year. So now that he's announced this, he has the rest of the year to kind of take a curtain call and a bow. And, and I think that's great for fans to know that, you know, this is the last time you're probably going to see him on the racetrack. Well, that name carries itself, too, like you said, with his father and him carrying on the tradition. And he's a likable guy. I think he does a good job. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't follow NASCAR huge, but, uh, I do know who he is and I've watched his races and he's fun to watch and he's engaging. And, and like you said, the announcement was done really well and he's, uh, he's going out the right way, I think. Well, he transcends motorsports, right? I mean, when you hear that name, it's one of those names that you know what he does, but he is recognizable, whether it's in a, you know, Blue Jeans commercial or, you know, touting one of his sponsors. He is one of those iconic names and partly because of his dad, but also because he's had a, a great career as well. 18 years, 600 races. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will be missed on the racetrack. All right. Our next headline, Tiger Woods, his fourth back surgery, Griggs. He's out for the 2017 season. And now you really do have to wonder, have we seen the last of Tiger Woods as a competitive golfer? Uh, when you start having the kinds of surgery that he has had to his back and, you know, you hear him say he's just trying to release the pressure from his back, you start to wonder, like, all right, is he going to be able to have a healthy life just as a normal human being, as a dad, as a grandfather later in life, much less play golf? And it's a sad story for golf because Tiger is still the biggest name in golf. When Tiger Woods is in the mix at a tournament, everyone's turning on their TVs. The ratings have declined sharply on TV, and interest in golf has declined sharply since Tiger Woods became less relevant. So all the way around, I think it's a bad story. Yeah, I mean, four back surgeries. It's just, and you think of golf and how much you use your back. I mean, it just it makes me oh, kind of cringe. Yeah. thinking of him swinging a golf club right now because it's such your your back is such a huge it's part a, of it's golf. It's a violent yeah uh, contortion of your body. It sure is. And I'm, we've heard a story with uh, with Steve Kerr and his back issues, too. And he hasn't had four surgeries. He had, what, one, I think, two yeah. years ago? I mean, and, and you get this chronic pain and you get the, the fallout from after the after the fact. So, yeah, Tiger, it's uh, it's it's sad to see, but I, I don't think he's going to be uh, competitive, obviously competitive moving forward. But one of the things that's been interesting to watch is Tiger, I think, has known the end is coming. So he's doing more with his foundation. He's in a role of hosting his... Uh, celebrity charity golf tournaments. You know, he's kind of put on that golf ambassador hat, uh, golf course designer hat, more so than, you know, I'm a golfer. And Tiger is iconic. Tiger has a ton of money. He's going to have lots of opportunities. So, you know, this isn't the end of Tiger Woods in the spotlight. It's probably the end of Tiger Woods winning another major or being a super competitive golfer again. Our next headline, and, and you kind of foreshadowed it there, Greg, Steve Kerr. 
really disappointed in the health problems that he's having. Steve Kerr is is a really bright person, well-spoken person, great coach. And I feel like when I've read these stories this last week, we're going to be robbed of one of the great coaches because, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be able to continue to coach with this kind of a back problem. And and why do I say that? It's because when you're, you know, I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers. And when you travel as much as an NBA team does, when you're on planes, when you're on buses, when you're standing at practice, when you're standing on the sideline, it is not conducive to someone with a bad back. Larry Bird had to retire first as a player, then as a coach, because of all of the things I just mentioned. He just couldn't ride on a plane making a cross-country trip anymore. He couldn't stand for long periods of time on the sideline. And I worry the same thing is going to happen with Steve Kerr. I thought it was really interesting when he did his press conference recently. He said to anyone out there considering back surgery, don't do it. Rehab your back. Do not do it. And if you want to get really technical, they punctured his spine and you know, the fluid released, and I guess he's had all kinds of very painful problems ever since. So I feel terrible for him. He's a real asset to the NBA and to the game of basketball, but I fear that his career as a coach is going to be cut short. And what's really interesting in the short term is you've got this team, the Warriors, primed to make a championship run. If he's not on the sideline, is Mike Brown the guy? I tweeted out, and I don't want to throw dirt on the career of Steve Kerr just yet, but I did tweet out this week, if I'm the Warriors and Steve Kerr can't come back, the first guy I talked to about being a coach, and I don't even know if he wants to be a coach, is Steve Nash. Steve Nash is one of the smartest basketball players to ever play, two-time MVP, but more importantly, Griggs, he has been a consultant for the Warriors for the last couple of years. He knows that team well. He's been around the players. If anyone is primed to transition, much like Steve Kerr, from never being a coach before to being on the sideline and commanding respect because he's a Hall of Fame player or a future Hall of Famer, Steve Nash as the coach of the Warriors would be pretty interesting to watch. It's a great call, and that's a, that's a great idea. And like you said, he knows the team already. He's an MVP. He's a brain of the game, not right. only just basketball. The guy's brilliant. In soccer, he's a he's a nutritionist. He he takes care of his body better than anybody in the world. Yeah. I've read some of his stuff that he eats and how he trains and everything. He still does that. I mean, the guy is, a, you know, he's a specimen that can be followed not only in, on the basketball court, but how he eats, how he carries his life. So I think that'd be an awesome coach. Well, and the thing that Kerr has done to the Warriors since he assumed the coaching position there, and you see it with Kevin Durant this year, more so than you've ever seen it in his career, he makes the game easier for the players. The ball moves. There's no hero ball. There's no one-on-one like Russell Westbrook and Durant had in OKC. The ball moves. And Steve Nash, when he played, the ball moved too. So that would be an interesting uh, match, Steve Nash coaching the Warriors. I bet Luke Walton right now might be having some second thoughts about taking that Lakers job. But uh, And no disrespect to Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown is a really nice coach. I think he's a great number one assistant coach. I don't know if he's the guy that you give the reins to and say, hey, Mike Brown's going to win multiple championships with this team. And I guess you could argue, hey, Berger, Nash has never even coached before. At least Mike Brown has coached. I'll take my chances with Nash. And again, I don't know that he wants to coach. But first and foremost, I hope that Steve Kerr gets better and is able to return to what has been a very promising head coaching career thus far. Other NBA news. 
Blake Griffin is out for the rest of the NBA playoffs. His big toe. Griggs, this guy gets hurt every year. He got hurt last year at the playoffs, missed the remainder of the playoffs. Here's the kicker, though. He's a free agent this summer. This is not the time to get hurt. You wanted to make your run in the playoffs, show everyone you're healthy, show everyone you're an elite player. Now it's buyer beware. And Blake Griffin is going to... He's going to expect a max contract. He's going to expect to be paid like a superstar. If I'm an owner, I look at him and I go, I don't know. I, I You better have a darn good insurance policy or a good backup or both because I don't know that I trust that Blake Griffin and his body isn't going to break down. So I don't know that I would pay him $30 million a year to be the superstar on my team. There are teams out there that I'm sure will do it because they're desperate for a name and a marquee player like Blake Griffin, but this is not the guy who was the high flyer before. He's had a lot of problems with his body, and I don't think that's going to get better as he gets older. Yeah, and it's uh, it's too bad for him. Like you say, both last two years' playoffs, he gets hurt. I mean, like you're right, you're right, and especially this year, it's his time to shine. I mean, you 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 are shopping yourself right now. If there's a free agent coming up this summer, so yeah, that's a that's a big loss for him and the Clippers too. But uh, it's too bad when these the superstars get hurt in the playoffs because it's just like you know you want them to be there because you want the team to be the best they can be as they move forward. So. Right. But what it's done is it's changed the dynamic of the Clippers, and I think. You see, they can still win without Blake Griffin. Yeah, yeah. Chris Paul is the guy on that team. So, you know, there's been a lot of people that have said, hey, Doc Rivers and the Clippers need to, to tear this core apart. I think there's a good argument. And, and if I'm the Clippers, if I'm Steve Ballmer, especially after what Blake Griffin did last year, and I know he apologized for it, but where he punched the equipment manager, like this guy hasn't shown me he's worth $30 million mm-hmm. off the court or on the court. So... I would be very cautious. Let's talk a little bit more about the NBA playoffs. The Warriors look pretty darn good. They swept the Blazers. Uh, the Cavs swept the Pacers. You know, unless something really bizarre happens, Griggs, like can we just fast forward the playoffs and, and get to the finals <laughs> yeah. and uh, put the Cavs and Warriors against each other and let's go seven games. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. And I think I don't see any other way of this happening. I think it's going to be a clean sweep. Not sweep, but I think uh, Cleveland and Golden State are going to be in the finals for the rematch. And the thing that would be really interesting is if Steve Kerr doesn't return to coach, Mike Brown used to coach the Cavaliers and coach LeBron. So now you've got the storyline of Mike Brown coming in with the Warriors and Kevin Durant going against the Cavs. But, you know, the thing that's funny is There were so many people during the regular season that talked about, oh, LeBron's resting too much. Is there something wrong with LeBron? And, oh, the Cavaliers, boy, they had a really putrid last month of the season. Look, they have shown us once and for all, when they want to flip the switch, they can flip the switch. Those veteran teams, the teams that have been battle-tested like the Cavaliers, like the Warriors, when they need to flip the switch... They'll flip the switch. Did you see the first quarter of Game 4, Blazers-Warriors? The Warriors come out with 45 points in the first quarter. I would say they flip the switch. When they want to turn it on, they can do it. Now, when they play each other, they'll really be flipping the switch to high power, and you know we'll see what happens. But here's the bottom line, Griggs. The Warriors are going to have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Someone's going to have to beat them on their home floor. The Cavs did it twice last year in the finals. The Warriors have the best road record in the NBA. They're probably going to beat you at least once on your home floor, which means you're going to have to win twice on their home floor. Unless one of their big four go down, 
I think the Warriors are the prohibitive favorites to win the title this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I just love the, the when you see LeBron and like Durant and these guys flip that switch and get next level. Like Game 3 in the Pacers with Cleveland. Down, they're down, what, 25? Right. And all of a sudden, here goes beast mode LeBron. And yeah. it's just like insane. And it's just like a show. I mean, you just sit back and like, you know they're going to end up winning the game. Sure enough, they do it. And it, it is fun. And last night, watching the Blazers uh, Game 4, Durant flipped the switch. I mean, he, he, was, he missed the last what, a game or two and comes back and just looked like it was seamless. Comes in there and he's just Tearing it up, blocking shots, dunking the ball, doing everything he does. Yeah, there was no rust. No, there. And I mean, boy, they showed you in that first quarter again with forty-five points. That was their peak, right? Like, you know, maybe they can play better than that. If if they put up fifty points or more in a quarter, that would be really scary. But they had everything working. Everyone was involved. The ball was moving. They were hitting three-point shots from right inside a half court. I mean, they did everything you can do to perfection in that quarter. And if they play like that, not Cleveland, not anyone is going to beat them. Uh, I will give a shout-out to my friend, Coach David Fisdale, who had one of the best rants of any coach following uh, Game 2 of the San Antonio-Memphis series, which, by the way, that's been a competitive series. I feel like Kawhi Leonard has played like he's from another planet, uh, and still it's 2-2. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But uh, Coach Fisdale, he, you know, we texted afterwards, the Memphis Grizzlies are making T-shirts now. You know, take that for data is one of the T-shirts. And then they're not going to rook us is another. And I actually ordered that T-shirt. They're not going to rook us. And it's got the picture of Coach Fizz. But when you're talking about all-time greatest coaching rants, that's got to be up there. And, you know, you've got two things now. I told him, I go, you better run out and trademark those. Take that (laughs) for data, and they're not going to rook us. Because those are your phrases. You said those. But the thing I loved about that press conference, Griggs, he came into the press conference with the stat sheet. He didn't just say, the refs suck tonight. This was terrible. He had stats, and he backed his argument up, and he was passionate about it. So I really liked how he presented his case. He kind of did it in a lawyerly fashion. And uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that the refs have been calling a more favorable outcome for the Grizzlies since then, and at least it's been called closer. I mean, the bottom line after that Game 2 rant was, Kawhi Leonard shot more free throws than the entire Memphis Grizzlies team, yet the Grizzlies took more shots in the paint than the Spurs did. So how can that happen on the surface? It it really shouldn't be allowed to happen. In games three and four, it was a different tenor as far as how the games were officiated. I love his passion for his team, and I love that he stands up for his team. You see it on the court, too. He's into every single second of those games and after the games. And I love that because I think sometimes you don't see that from coaches necessarily. I know the coaches are into it, but I love, I just love the passion that he's like, I want my team to win in every way we can go out there and win the game. And if the refs are going to be against us, here's the stats to prove it. I love that he came with the stats. Huge because he's not just like, Oh, you know, some fan, oh, our team, you know, we got screwed. I love that he came to that conference with the, the backup of the stats and the passion. It was great. In addition to energizing the Grizzlies fan base, you know what else it did? It energized their locker room because the player said, wow, my coach just went out and went to bat for me. To the point where when Fisdale was fined $30,000, Mike Conley, the highest paid player at the NBA and the leader of the Grizzlies, said, you know what? We got you, coach. We're going to pay this fine. Now, I don't know if that's allowed by NBA standards. I don't think it is. I think coach has to pay that one. 
But the fact that your players are taking up for you and saying, we got you, coach. We got your back. You had our back. We have your back now. That's great for the camaraderie of the team. And you know what else it does? It shows future free agents. That's a coach I want to go play for. That guy's going to defend me. He's going to be vocal. And uh, that's a guy I want to play for. So I thought all the way around, Coach Fizz was a big winner after that press conference. And the thing that's great, Griggs, it's authentic. Like, I know Coach Fizz. I've spent time with him off the court. Got to know him when I was working with Eric Spolster, the coach of the Miami Heat. That's Coach Fizz. He's authentic. And, you know, he showed that during that press conference. So that was cool. Our next headline, Adrian Peterson, future Hall of Famer. He's not done yet. Two more years, at least, he has signed a two-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Two years, $7 million. I think they got a deal. The Saints did. They've already got Mark Ingram. He's under contract for two more years, so they're going to go with the Thunder and Lightning backfield and ground and pound. And, you know, it seems like, Griggs, every year you're, one of your running backs goes down. So you got to have two good running backs. Adrian Peterson isn't the workhorse he used to be. You're not going to ask him to carry the ball, you know, hundreds of times during the year. But now he can come onto a team with maybe the brightest offensive mind in the game in Sean Payton. You've got a terrific quarterback in Drew Brees. That's going to be an exciting offense to watch. I don't think, you know, anyone who's expecting the Adrian Peterson of yesteryear, you're not going to get that guy. Just like we were talking about with Blake Griffin, he's not that player anymore. But can he be a good, serviceable back? Can you do some creative things with him? He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. And guess what, Griggs? The Saints and Vikings, Peterson's former team. Monday night football, week one of the NFL season. It's almost like the schedule makers knew something that we didn't. (laughs) I love it. And, you know, Adrian is also a name that defenses have to respect. He's still right. good enough. He's yeah. still got that burner when he gets the corner. Yep. He can put speed on. And I think that is going to is gonna change when defenses play against the Saints. They're going to have to watch him, too. Well, and the good news, bad news, he was hurt last year. So bad news is buyer beware. That's why he probably only got $7 million only. But the good news is he saved a lot of wear and tear on his body last year, right? So it's almost like he got a year off. Now he comes in super fresh. He's rehabbed. He's always kept himself in chiseled condition. And uh, I think he'll be an asset to the Saints. But it's going to be weird seeing him in a different uniform than that purple of the Vikings that he's worn his entire career. NFL draft coming up this week, Griggs. Uh, it's kind of a weird draft. I think, you know, Miles Garrett seems to be the guy from Texas A&M that most people think is the consensus number one, the defensive lineman. Uh, will the Browns just take them and take the best player? Are they going to find a way to, you know, screw that up somehow? <laughs> Who knows? They always seem to screw up their picks. But uh, it's going to be an interesting draft. I don't think there's any one player that you look at and go, all right, you know, it's Peyton Manning or it's Cam Newton or it's, you know, that surefire, can't-miss prospect. I think there's a lot of really nice players on the board. Like, you know, we're West Coast people. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be great for someone. And in a day and age where you see these, you know, Julian Edelman type of players used more and more, these slot receivers, guy who can return punts, guy who can play at running back. I mean, he can get a lot of touches during the course of a game. I think a guy like that has great value in today's game. But I don't know that there's someone that you go, right now I can identify that this is a can't-miss prospect. So 
the teams are really going to have to do their homework this year, Greg. Yeah, there's definitely some research involved. And like you said, I think there's a lot of just like, you know, solid players. There's not, like you said, the, the Cam Newton, the big, like, number one. But I think, like Christian, great example of a player that can come in there and change an offense just because of how versatile he is and how many different, you know, offensive positions he can play. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, the draft, NFL draft's always kind of fun because it gets you kind of excited for NFL coming in a couple months after. So, I mean, it's a fun, fun thing to watch and just kind of see where some of those, these players end up. All right, those are our headlines for the week. But before we wrap up, Griggs, we got to talk about something here. I'm a strategic PR expert. I am the founder of the Sports PR Summit. How about the snafu with United Airlines? I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I've seen anyone screw something up this badly in a long time as far as a corporation. We see individuals screw things up every day. But United Airlines, if you didn't follow the story, you've been on another planet. <laughs> yeah. You haven't followed social media. You haven't watched the media. But a few weeks ago, there is a man and his wife. The man is a doctor. And the flight was overbooked, and they asked for volunteers. They didn't get any, which oftentimes happens. And police or security go on the plane, and they forcibly remove this doctor from the plane. And guess what? I have a company called Everything is on the Record, because everything is on the record, Griggs. Just in the last few weeks, we've seen uh, an American Airlines confrontation caught on video, played nationally, played all over the Internet. And this United video was caught, and it went viral. And there's no arguing the video, right? This is like the Ray Rice video. This is like the Joe Mixon video. When you see the video, it is what it is. So for United to come out, their CEO, and say, our people handled this perfectly, and try and spin a different story, and then, frankly, try and smear the doctor... Well, this is his background, and da-da-da-da, and feeding stuff to TMZ. Are you kidding me? You screwed up. How much did you screw up? Well, there's different estimates, but if you look at the stock price the day following this, Griggs, some people estimate that United Airlines lost almost a billion dollars in stock value. Do you think you might have been better off coming out right away and apologizing? Hey, we screwed up. We need to get this right. We're going to make this guy a United Airlines VIP for life now. He gets to fly United for free the rest of his life. The people on the plane were going to refund you, which they did later. But did they refund you for that flight? Did they refund you, you know, just a voucher? Did they give you your cash back? It took two or three times for the CEO to finally come out and say, all right, we screwed up. We got this wrong. We need to do better next time. Memo to anyone in crises, okay? I know there's legal things in play, but at the end of the day, if you screw up, own it. People want to hear, I'm sorry. They want to hear that you're going to do better next time. We live in a forgiving society. I mean, we've joked, Marv Albert, Kobe Bryant, Ray Lewis. Many years on this show, there have been people who have screwed up. They've been forgiven. But if you don't own it, They're going to keep chasing you and chasing you. And then people like me are going to go, are you serious? That's your sad excuse for an apology. Griggs, you followed this. What did you think? What they, what do they say? The truth will set you free. Yeah. (laughs) Just speak the truth because. And it's on video. And it's on video. That's the thing that that baffled me is when he came out and talked like no one saw it. Right. Like, oh, it was a secret. No one saw this. I mean, by that, it was billions of retweets and everything. Everybody in the world's seen it. So I mean, it's like that was the part that was like, wait a minute, are you on the same plane or are we looking at a different plane here? So that, that was just baffling to me. Well, the American Airlines one, 
There's a woman who's getting on the plane with her baby, and one of the flight attendants pulls the stroller down and knocks the baby and the woman right in the head. The woman's crying. She's obviously in distress. They're getting mad at the woman. Then this man who was in first class stands up and he's like, hey, what are you doing to this woman? Like, I'm not going to just sit here and watch this happen. And then one of the attendants gets confrontational with that man. And you're like, I'm sorry. We need to go back to the customers always right. And I know there are customers that are jerks. And I know after 9-11, we need to be more cautious than ever at making sure that people aren't putting other people's lives in jeopardy on an airplane. But can we use some common sense? If you knocked a lady and her baby in the head, can you say, I'm sorry? Can you do something to make it right when she's crying? If someone doesn't want to get off a plane because you overbooked the flight, do you really need to punch him in the lip and then drag him down? The, I mean, Griggs, I don't know if you saw my tweet at SB Radio, but I was flying Alaska yeah. right after I was going to New York. And I got on the plane and I tweeted out, hey, so far, so good. <laughs> I haven't been beaten and bloodied and neither has anyone else. And it, it's just like, if that's the point we're getting to and the whole, to me, the whole airline industry needs to be overhauled. I mean, the prices are ridiculous. The customer service is terrible. They used to be excited to see you. You used to get a little bit of a meal. Even though most of the time it sucked. But now I'm on cross-country flights. I'm getting peanuts, literally peanuts yeah. and ginger ale. That's what I'm getting. And you only get one cup. You don't get the whole can. No, you don't get the whole can. <laughs> no blankets. People aren't happy to see you. But the worst thing of all is they overbook these flights, and then they act like it's your problem. Yeah. Another memo to the airline, and I've seen this happen. The whole airline industry. There is a price that you can name that will get people to step aside and give up their seat on a flight, okay? I've seen literally auctions take place. Hey, can we have your attention, please, in the boarding area? We've overbooked today's flight. We will offer you a $250 voucher to give up your seat for the next flight. Crickets. No one goes, no one takes. Can I have your attention, please? $500 for a voucher. I've seen it go up to $1,000. Nice. When you get up to that price, people are going to give up their seat. They're going to go, you know what? All right, I'll sit in the airport for eight hours or I'll cancel my meetings or whatever. Like, I want that trip to Hawaii. If you're giving me a thousand bucks, I'm taking it. But to not offer any vouchers and to come onto the plane, beat someone up and drag them off because you overbooked. Are you serious? Do you think that is an acceptable form of business in any business, Griggs? Terrible. Just terrible. The whole thing was terrible. <laughs> Complete disaster. And uh, I do like the bidding wars. Like you said, when you hear the airport, when they'll come on and say that, and you wait, silence, silence. Okay, I got to take it. We have got a winner. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it, there's a price. And if you get to that price, you're going to have multiple takers. So get to the price. Don't beat your customers up. Have a smile on your face. I mean, luckily, I'm an MVP on Alaska, so I get treated a little bit better. <laughs> And Alaska hasn't beaten me up. That's good. But holy cow, the airline industry, it used to be, I don't want to date myself, but when I was a kid, you know, I traveled in the, in the seventies. I was born in 1968 for those wanting to know, but travel in the seventies, people used to wear ties. They'd get dressed up. You know, I remember traveling TWA and like it was a big deal. The flight attendants were dressed up. You got a meal. People were happy to see you. Then, 
it all changed. And they slowly started taking away your benefits. You know, pretty soon, Griggs, we're going to have to go to the back of the plane. We're going to have to put a quarter or four quarters in to use the bathroom. I mean, we're, <laughs> I'm already paying $23 per flight for a few hours of internet. Really? Like, I can go into a coffee shop and get free internet, but I just paid $500 for this four-hour flight, and I can't get free internet? Really? I'm an MVP. Can you give me free internet? I fly a lot. Can you give me free internet? Like, can you find the perks that are important to the traveler and then give them those perks? Is it free luggage? Is it free internet? Is it some food? Like, can we start recognizing the traveler as an individual, not as cattle? Everyone's on the same flight. So that's my rant on the airline industry. But boy, United, you really screwed it up. And... If you look at fixing your brand, it's going to take a long, long time. And I hope you fired your PR firm, whoever was advising you, because they gave you terrible advice. Either that or you didn't listen to it. It was one of those two things. Because what you did after that video surfaced was unacceptable and is now the textbook for how not to handle a crisis. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm the founder and CEO of the Sports PR Summit. The Sports PR Summit features East Coast and West Coast events that take place annually. The invite-only events bring together senior PR and social media executives from the pro and collegiate sports ranks, as well as from top sports corporations for panel discussions and valuable networking opportunities. Prominent media members and athletes share candid insights about the best ways for PR and social media executives to work most effectively with them. Fellow PR executives also share best practices. NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Boston Celtics star Isaiah Thomas, NHL commissioner Gary Bettman, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, and WNBA legend Lisa Leslie are just some of the people who have shared their perspective at our events. The 2017 Sports PR Summit will take place on Tuesday, May 23rd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The 2017 Sports PR Summit Social Media Workshop will take place on Wednesday, July 26th at Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. Go to sportsprsummit.com to learn more about our events and to register. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm sitting in locker rooms with athletes and coaches and boardrooms with executives for our firm Everything is on the Record. Our interactive and engaging trainings help our clients better navigate the tricky social media and media landscape that exists today. 
In a day and age where everything is on the record and can be broadcast in real time on Periscope or Facebook Live, the margin of error is very slim. And your brand and the brands you are connected to can be ruined in just seconds. As the VP of Outside Perspective, we can say the delicate things that need to be said to your high-profile executives, athletes, or coaches. From the WNBA and the NBA, to Major League Soccer and the NWSL, to a variety of corporate clients, top leagues, teams, brands, and corporations, they trust us to guide their key spokespeople. Learn more about our services and see how we can guide you by visiting everythingisontherecord.com. Now back to the podcast. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.